Well, good morning again. Uh, this morning we come to our third in our current series, Becoming Whole Life Disciples of Christ. Uh, today, looking at our attitude towards our uh, finances and our possessions. Uh, I won't look in great detail at the passage uh, that uh, Sarah just read to us. Uh, in fact, I think the passage does a really good job of speaking for itself. Um, but I want to come back to a central theme in it a bit later on in my sermon. Now, I want you to imagine that it's uh, early 2007, and you have just come into a large sum of money, a significant sum, let's say, I don't know, uh, 200, sorry, 100,000 pounds perhaps, uh, and you think, what can I do with this money? It's my money. It's my choice. I could pay off the mortgage. I could get that extension done. I could go on a world cruise. What should I do? After thinking and praying about it, you decide that for now, You'll invest the money and figure out what to do with it a bit later on, uh, when hopefully you've got a bit more to play with from your investment. Uh, after asking around, uh, you have a chat on the phone with a wealth manager in New York. He has a good reputation. Uh, he presents an exciting portfolio that looks to make a very tidy return on your investment. And you feel this is a guy you can trust. And so you wire him the 100 grand uh, and start dreaming about what you'll do with the profits. Now remember, it's your money, you've entrusted it to him to look after it for you. Now 18 months later, you switch on the news and you watch the Bernie Madoff scandal unfold on your TV. And then, to your horror, you come to the sickening realisation that it was Bernie whom you'd entrusted with your money. How would you feel? Furious? Angry? Upset? Grief-stricken? Foolish? I know I would be feeling an overwhelming uh, concoction of all these things, but I think most of all, I would be angry. This was my money. My stuff. Not his. How dare he? How dare he use my stuff for himself? It wasn't his to spend, it was mine. I'd entrusted it to him. He, he was meant to look after it for me. How dare he? It's a powerful story, isn't it? For those of you who don't know, Bernie Madoff was the American investment advisor who ran the world's largest Ponzi scheme in history defrauding thousands of investors out of tens of billions of dollars for over nearly two decades, perhaps longer. It's a powerful story. Finances are one of the hardest things to hear someone speaking about in church. It can be one of the hardest things to preach about. The fact of the matter is that this subject matters a great deal to God. 16 of Jesus' 38 parables were concerned with how we handle our possessions and money. In the Gospels alone, one in 10 verses deals directly with the subject of money in some way. But what I want to say up front to you today, what I want you to hear at the beginning of this sermon, is that this is not a sermon about giving your money to Christchurch. That's not what we're about here. You see, it's not our money that matters to God. Not how much we have or don't have, not how we spend it, not how we save it, not even uh, how much we give away to church or to charity. 
Jesus doesn't teach about money in terms of percentages or hard figures. You see, it's our attitude towards what we have that matters. And that's what I hope to to look at briefly in our time left. I guess I could summarize this teaching uh, this way. Be wise stewards of God's blessings for his glory. Be wise stewards of God's blessings for his glory. And so uh, what I say today will not be, um, sorry, what I say today will be rather to frame a Christian understanding of finances and possessions rather than what we necessarily do with them. There are some words uh, that come from the first book of Chronicles, chapter 29, verse 11, uh, which the church has used for generations as a call and response uh, when they would bring an offering to the front of church. The, the words we use at our gift day back in November. The context of these words is the abundant gifts King David and the leaders of the people gave towards the building of the first temple in Jerusalem. David then says a prayer from which we get these words. He says, Yours, Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the splendor, and the majesty. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Later, the church added the response, All things come from you, and of your own do we give you. You see, God is the creator of everything. I hope we can agree on that. As creator, God is the one who gives us all things from the food in our bellies to the clothes on our back, to our homes, our cars, our jobs, our so on. It's all from an abundantly generous God. And according to the Bible, these things are not ours, they're God's. Remember David's prayer just now? Everything in heaven and on earth is yours, Lord. You see, the Bible pictures humanity a bit like wealth managers. God invests his worldly resources in us. Money, food, possessions, our bodies, our health. Everything belongs to God. More than that, he also invests his people with spiritual resources as well. With gifts, skills, blessings, talents, musical abilities, imaginations. Everything belongs to God. Like good wealth managers, our job, our responsibility is not to take our investors' money and to spend it on ourselves. That's called fraud. You'd get in trouble if you did that and worked for a bank. Just ask Bernie Madoff. No. Our job as God's people is to be good managers of these resources and gifts. To be wise in building an investment portfolio, if you like, for God. To bring him a good return on his investment in us, both in life now and at the end of this earthly life too. The word the Bible uses for this is stewardship. Remember, Be wise stewards of God's blessings for his glory. The Oxford Dictionary defines stewardship this way. The job of supervising or taking care of something, such as an organization or property. This shouldn't be a surprise to you. The Bible pictures all of us, everyone in the world, one day standing before God. And a bit like a client having an annual review with their investment manager, God will pull out his statement and conduct a review of how we have stewarded all that he has entrusted to us 
our money, our possessions, our gifts, our talents, our very bodies, our whole lives, in fact. But it won't be an annual review, but a lifetime review on how we have managed everything. We read about this in Revelation chapter 20, where it talks about the books being opened. And I think John here is talking about the books of our lives. The question is, how did we use God's stuff? Did we use it for his glory, for his kingdom purposes, for his work, for his gospel, or for our own? Were we wise stewards of God's blessings for his glory? Our church council, our PCC, have just released our 2021 budget. Uh, you can find it on the giving page of our website. Uh, and in this short booklet, uh, we set out how we as a church intend to use the financial resources that God has entrusted to us through his people, through, through you, our church family. And we are massively grateful for every penny given to God's work here at Christ Church. Because as God's investment managers, that's what we are, when you choose to give financially to Christchurch, you are saying in investment terms that you believe Christchurch will yield a good return on the money that you are stewarding on God's behalf. That Christchurch will make a profit, if you like, for God, both materially and spiritually and in the age to come. Remember, God has made us investment managers of more than just money, but our time, our talents, our gifts, our skills, our homes, our cars. All of it has been entrusted to us by God. All of it is to be stewarded for his glory. And one day we'll need to give an account for every little bit of it. So be wise stewards of God's blessings for his glory. As I said earlier, I don't want you to mishear me. This is not an appeal to give to Christchurch. We are genuinely grateful for every penny given and would value your prayers as we seek to steward these resources, money, buildings, possessions, staff, team, all of it, for our Lord's glory here. So having set this up, I want to encourage you to prayerfully make decisions for how to invest everything that you have been given for God. Be wise stewards of God's blessings for his glory. Every time I choose to spend money that God has entrusted to me, I am making an investment decision. The question is, is that an investment in God's kingdom or in my own? Every time I choose to use a gift or a talent or a skill or anything that God has blessed me with, that he has entrusted to me. I am making an investment decision. The question is, is that an investment in God's kingdom or in my own? Like I said earlier, it's not our money itself that matters to God. No, it's our attitude towards it that matters. Do we see it as our money, our talents, our possessions, our stuff to be used solely for our enjoyment, our benefit, our glory? Or do we recognize that actually everything does belong to God? It's his money, his talent, his possessions, his stuff. 
that he has entrusted to us. And are we to be good stewards of it for his glory? Be wise stewards of God's blessings for his glory. What am I saying here? Don't enjoy yourself. Don't own a big house. Don't get a takeaway. Don't save up. No, I'm not saying that. And if you're hearing me that way, um, then that might be an indication of where your heart might be. God has blessed us with these things for our enjoyment. They are blessings. We are blessed by them. What I want to do in the time I have left is to very quickly run through three approaches to our money. Uh, Much of this comes from Wayne Grudem's excellent book on ethics. This is not what I'm saying going to be sufficient to cover everything, but might be some pointers for you as you begin to pray, for us, sorry, as a church, as we begin to pray this through. Firstly, spending. God reminds us in the Bible that spending is a good use of money. It turns money into products and services that we can use to give thanks to God, to bring income to others for their work, to encourage the economy to grow and for others to flourish, to put clothes on our back and to feed our families. God intends for us to enjoy the good resources he has put in the earth, for us to develop and use them. The Bible warns us, though, not to spend too much, being foolish or wasteful or greedy. The Bible also warns us about not spending too little, being miserly, being fearful, or hoarding wealth. We are warned not to spend more than we have, not to get into debt. The question isn't really about a right or a wrong use of money, no, but Instead, it's good versus better versus best. God gives us a lot of freedom here. Spending is a good use of money. But remember, our spending choices have consequences. So, be wise stewards of God's blessings for his glory. Next, savings. Saving some money is also a good use of it. The Bible encourages it. It's right to save for a time when we can't work due to age or health or loss of work or perhaps even a global pandemic. Or saving for an emergency or to to make a purchase for something that's beyond our current assets. But remember, savings can also be a temptation to sin. To trust our bank accounts more than God. Saving too much and hoarding what God has entrusted to us. Building barns, as Jesus warns us. Or saving too little. Being unprepared for the future. Again, there is much freedom here. But it's our attitude that matters to God. Be wise stewards of God's blessings for his glory. And finally, giving is good too. In our passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul writes this about Jesus in, chapter, in sorry, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. I'm not going to give a whole exposition on this passage, but as we think about our money, our possessions, our gifts, I want us to consider what Jesus gave up in order to rescue us. 
I want you to imagine Jesus, the the Son of God, second person of the Trinity, God himself enjoying the glory and splendor and adoration that was rightly his as God before the creation of the world. The tight, beautiful fellowship of love he enjoyed with his Father and Spirit. The praise and service of angels in the heavenly hosts. The loud hymns of praise to him that echoed around the heavenly throne room. The life of complete, splendid glory and luxury and riches greater than any king on this earth would ever know. Perhaps the most sumptuous of foods and tastiest of wines, as the pictures of heaven will tell us of. Imagine, if you can, the perfection that surrounded Jesus. And then imagine Jesus, our Lord, giving it all up. Every exquisite luxury bathed moment of it. From a throne to find himself in a cold, raw and naked position, wriggling in the squalor of an animal's feeding trough. From the splendor of the heavenly courts to a borrowed stable. The praise of angels exchanged for the noise of a small village. Finest of clothes exchanged for the rough cloth of a poor carpenter. The sweetness of heaven exchanged for the dust of a dry climate. This is what our Lord gave up for us. Giving up wonders beyond our imagination, taking on the poverty of our humanity in every way, eventually freely giving up his most precious thing, his own life, for our sake. So that through his complete and utter poverty, we might become rich. Brothers and sisters, this is the God we worship, that we serve and we honor. Our Lord who has won for us through his death in our place and confirmed in his resurrection a crown for each of us, an inheritance beyond compare, richness beyond measure. When we fix our eyes on what we have now, our stuff, We will always seek to use it to build our own kingdoms, clinging to our stuff for our glory. It's our nature. But when we fix our eyes on Jesus, who, for the joy set before him, scorns the shame of the cross, when we delight in the extravagant generosity of our God to leave the splendor of heaven and give up everything, even his very life, for us. When we see the stuff around us not as our own, but generous gifts and blessings from a God who holds nothing we need back from us, then, brothers and sisters, we will hold more lightly to the things of this earth and we will seek to invest God's generous gifts wisely for his kingdom purposes. Throughout the history of the Bible, God expected his people to give away something of what he had entrusted to them. To God's work in the temple or in churches today, to helping people who are in need, to providing blessings for others, to charity. 
As Christians, we don't give as a tax or to earn God's love. No, we give because we have tasted his abundant, outrageous, extravagant love for us. We give as a demonstration of our trust in him because we love him. And we know that he will not hold what we need back from us. Remember, we are stewards of what God has entrusted to us. Our money, our possessions, our homes, our cars, our gifts, our talents, our skills, everything in heaven and on earth, everything belongs to God. I encourage you to pray about how you are investing what God has blessed you with for his glory, for his kingdom purposes. You might need to save more or save less. You might consider spending more or spending less. You might consider giving more or giving less. Prayerfully decide these things. Brothers and sisters, I encourage you, be wise stewards of God's blessings for his glory. Perhaps Emma would like to come and start playing our next song uh, while I lead us in a time of reflection. Uh, Why don't we um, end by committing ourselves and everything we have to God? If you're able, I invite you to stand wherever you are. Just stand. Uh, Perhaps you'd like to hold out your hands in front of you as a sign of saying to yourself, uh, nothing in my hand I bring but open hand to God, saying to him, all that I have I lay before you. Pray a bold prayer. Ask God to break your heart in response to his love. Ask God by his spirit to change your attitude towards your money, your possessions and gifts, the things that he has entrusted to you. Ask God to shine a light upon the areas of your life that you don't want to give to him, that you don't want to hold, that you're holding back from him. Repent to him, asking for his forgiveness for where we have been stubborn or selfish. Feel yourself again bathed in the cleansing radiance of his love, the love he demonstrated by giving up everything to rescue you. To rescue you from the chains that hold you in fear. Fears of what if? What if I don't have enough? What if I can't do what I want? What if I can't get what I want? What if I can't trust God to look after me? To rescue you from your slavery to sins that keep you from fully embracing the freedom God offers you in himself. Give thanks to God for his extravagant, wasteful, abundant love that he has poured out on you. Commit to serving him, serving him with everything he has blessed you with, everything he has entrusted you with, every gift, every asset, every skill, every talent, every penny. Commit to being a whole life disciple of Jesus. Pray a bold prayer in response to the love that Jesus has lavished upon you. Ask for his spirit to fill you and strengthen you to live this way for him. Ask him what he would have you do. Yes, you're going to get this wrong at times. Yes, you're going to fail at times, but pray boldly, knowing that by his blood, he has already forgiven you ahead of your failures.
if you've closed your eyes, perhaps you'd like to open them and look at the screens. And as a way of us as a church family recommitting ourselves to God, using all of ourselves, all of who we are at Christ Church, all that God has entrusted us with for his glory, the whole of our lives, why not join me in boldly praying the response to David's prayer? Yours, Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the splendor, and the majesty. For everything, Lord, everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Brothers and sisters, wherever you are, boldly declare with me, all things come from you, and of your own do we give you. Amen. Let's continue to stand as we sing our next song, trusting in the power of God's Spirit, yet not I, but Christ in me.